0: Welcome to the Lost Tapes of History podcast. You're about to eavesdrop on the first 10 minutes of a private conversation between a Tudor personality and, frankly, someone just trying to do their job.
1: The date is November 1579 and Queen Elizabeth is on the throne. Sir Thomas is in dire financial straits and needs to borrow money, so goes to his local bank for a loan. Mr Gresham Sir, um, I'm a sir
0: We don't get many sirs in here asking for loans I apologise
1: You don't recognise me then? Should I? Everyone in banking has heard of Thomas Gresham
0: Gresham, Gresham, Gresham is in Gresham's law. Bad money drives that good money, that Gresham.
1: (laughs) I didn't actually invent that though. Everyone knew that. I just said it. A lot. Indeed. What can I do for you, Mr Sir Thomas? I am heavily in debt. I need to borrow to pay my creditors until I can sell my land. I am what they call asset-rich but cash-poor. I am what they call sympathetic but cynical.
0: What's the debt? £5,880. But that's £5.8 million.
1: <laughs> Then you see the problem. I can see a debtor's prison. I'll take anything. I'm desperate.
0: I need to go through your financial history before I can agree to any loans. Oh. And go through any source of income open to you before we lend you anything.
1: Fine. Ask away. Can you ask your parents for money? Both dead. Were they wealthy? We were a wealthy mercantile family when I was growing up. My father was a munitions transporter. A munitions transporter? What? An arms dealer. He was responsible for buying the tapestries for Wolsey's new palace. I see. Good at it was he. The king liked them so much, he commissioned my father to order bespoke tapestries for his own palaces. If he was in favour with the king,
0: he must have been successful.
1: He died the most hated man in London. For the work he did for King Henry in buying monastery lands. But he did leave you something when he died. I got the grant of probate over his will relating to his goods. But I had to fight my older brother over the will relating to his lands. Anyway, regardless, it's spent now. And your mother? She had died before. My father, he remarried. Isabel. Anything there? She died... But she put a stipulation in the will that I had to refrain from touching any of her money or possessions before the will was proved. I wasn't even allowed to enter the house for eight weeks after her death. I suppose she thought I was going to steal her property. So nothing from the parents then? Are you married? I married my wife Anne for her money. She was a widow. Excellent. But I spent it all. I appropriated her lands in which she had a life interest in trust for her sons by her first marriage. And I invested all her capital into my business.
0: Right. So she's got nothing
1: then? Nope. Not if I have anything to do with it. (laughs) What about children? My only legitimate son, Richard, died when young. I have stepsons. Anything from them? I took control of their estates from their father and took the rents myself. Ah. I paid for their upbringing, but the surplus profit I kept.
0: To invest for them to access later? No. But it was accounted for as separate from your income?
1: No. Oh, and I have an illegitimate daughter from my time in Antwerp. Her name is Anne. And do you support her? (laughs) Do I, Eck? I wanted her off my hands as soon as I could. When she were 13, I married her off to a chap of 23. 13? Oh, It's okay. It was a friend of the family. She was virtually illiterate. So her bridegroom wanted her to learn to read and write before she became a part of the family. I thought, nice idea, but who's going to pay for it? Not you, then. I negotiated a dowry for her, but soon after the wedding, they realised that the lands I'd promised weren't given outright at all. How's that? I still retained a life interest, and then I leased them to tenants and collected the rent for myself. (laughs) They'll have to wait till I'm dead before they get them. No other kids? Well, my maid servant got pregnant, but I managed to marry her off to another of my servants, so nope, no more kids. Right. What about our family? <laughs> Don't talk to me about family. Most of them are living with me in Gresham House. Oh, really? Honestly, I'd rename it the Gresham Hotel, but that still doesn't mean they'd pay. They're all dependent on you then. My wife's first husband, he stipulated in his will that I had to pay out for 48 members of his wife's extended family for the rest of their lives. 48! Sheesh! My father in law, William, had a habit of helping himself to cloth and wine from my warehouse whenever it took his fancy. Oh. My brother John aided me ever since I contested my father's will, and I shortchanged my sister-in-law over payment of her annuity. She hates me as well. Oh, oh, oh. and my half sister Christiana sued me for meanness and called me avaricious.
0: Right, no joy there
1: then. I learned my trade the hard way as an apprentice to my Uncle John, who initiated me into the textiles business. I worked my way up to the top. All right, Alan Sugar. Once I married, I got promoted within the Mercer's Company. Sounds good. As a liveryman, I was allowed to trade entirely on my own account, to open my own shops and take on apprentices. What kind of thing did you sell? Exports were unfinished woolen cloth, tin and lead. Imports were luxury fabrics like satin, damask and Genoese velvet.
0: Sounds like a good business.
1: But then I started importing cotton and fine jewels like diamonds. Ooh, and the odd weapon or two.
0: <laughs> so where were you operating from? Did you say something about Antoine?
1: Yes, that's right. I made over 120 trips there, which was not enjoyable because I get seasick. How was Antwerp?
0: I've never been.
1: I learnt how money worked there, right on the trading floor. I had my finger on the money pulse. Did you know? I knew every Flemish, German or Italian merchant operating in Antwerp or London that mattered. I lived and breathed exchange rates.
0: You had a lot of money in Antwerp then.
1: Oh, yes. I bought things, I loaned it to people, but I had too much. Too much? I'm unaware of that problem. And I couldn't physically get the cash back to London. There were restrictions on moving gold and silver coins from Antwerp. So what did you do with it? Bury it? I sold bills of exchange in London for sterling. They would take the bills to Antwerp and were paid the equivalent in Flemish currency using my surplus funds.
0: So you set up your own exchange rates?
1: Yes, and charged brokerage fees. Holy cow, you must have made a fortune. While I was there, I commissioned a full-length portrait of myself. Ah, only royals do that.
0: Well, that explains some of the debt.
1: I built my own postal system, creating a network of spies and informers, contacts I had bribed and... Oh, what do you mean, bribed? Well, technically they were gifts. To people that could help me. Country cloth suppliers, officials, tax collectors, customs officials... I was made the Crown's financial agent in Antwerp and moved my entire base there. So you started working as a government banker for the King, Edward VI? Yes. I rented an house in Antwerp and used the outbuildings to operate an unlicensed forge. Because you secretly always wanted to be a blacksmith. I melted down all the Spanish coins to make them into bullion which is easier to move than coin hedge. Is it? I managed to smuggle over £5,800 of silver bullion to London. I avoided customs controls by giving the local inspectors food and drink. I'm speechless. Where is it all now? Oh, that's nothing. I had a cash float of £1,200 every week. I'd send friends or servants to buy or sell sterling in smaller amounts shortly before I closed a credit deal or made a loan repayment so I could raise or lower the value of sterling to suit my needs. But that's... Genius? I know. I suggested to King Edward that he compelled merchants to make short-term loans to the Crown whether they liked it or not meant I halved the foreign debt for the crown. (laughs) Halved it again under Queen Mary. (laughs) You work for Queen Mary as well? Catholic, Protestant, don't matter if you're making them money. She ordered me to go to Antwerp and take advantage of its lower interest rates so that I could refinance old borrowing at a new lower interest rate. I used the savings in interest payments to pay down the original debt. I bet she was really pleased with you. She had me audited by her Lord Treasurer, who thought I was a fraud. Turns out I owed the Queen £4,892. That's just under £5 million. I said, OK, I'll pay it back. And she took you on? I was a chief financial agent and part time ambassador in Brussels. What did that involve? Help to underpin the general recoinage of 1560 to 61. It took a year, but it resulted in £1.2 million of bad money being melted down, refined, and reminted. Whoa! We made a profit of £50,000 because we reminted less than we collected. (laughs) I hope she paid you well. I told Elizabeth not to borrow from abroad, but to borrow from her rich subjects instead. And she did? I brokered the deals. The government got their money, the merchants got a good interest rate, and I got 1% of the fee as the broker printing money and then she did another audit oh dear she said there were unauthorized expenses claims and that i owed her 18000 pound 18 million i managed to get a full pardon when i retired so i didn't have to pay it back uh, what And then I had the idea of an exchange for London with retail space for shops. You did? The first floor open space was England's first shopping centre. And it was crowned with a giant grasshopper, my emblem.
0: And what happened to that?
1: Oh, it's still there. It was supposed to be called Gresham's Bourse. But the Queen renamed it the Royal Exchange.
0: But that must bring you income, surely.
1: Hmm. The Royal Exchange is owned by the Corporation of London and the Mercer's Company. Damn. All the profits from the exchange are to go towards administering in perpetuity a new institution of higher learning called Gresham College. A college? Yes, it's self-selecting, so it's open to anyone that needs it. And there are no fees, no entrance requirements, no qualifications, no exams or assessments. And they teach in Latin as well as English, so it's accessible.
0: Well, that's very admirable, but it's not bringing you any income in, is it? No. So... Have you kept good records and accounts that I can see?
1: I am obsessed by the smallest amount of money and reckon my accounts down to the last penny. Good. Of course, when I try to balance the books, I sometimes realise they've made a loss. So I muddle up my personal, my household expenditure with the business accounts. Oh, for heaven's sake, what method are you using? I am an early adopter of the double-entry bookkeeping method. So
0: where's all the money gone,
1: then? One expense that I hadn't budgeted for was that the Queen asked me to hold Mary Grey, sister of Lady Jane Grey, under house arrest. Did she? In our house. She was there years. What else? I do have a bit of a shoe fetish. I have half a dozen bespoke pairs made every year. That doesn't cost millions though, does it? No.
0: Look, you mentioned lands in the beginning. Surely that brings an income.
1: I own land in East Anglia, Somerset, Sussex, Yorkshire, Durham, Derbyshire and Cambridgeshire. Which brings in... Income from land alone, in a good year, runs to two and a half thousand pound.
0: Based on that, I think we can lend you a little something to keep you ticking over.
1: Oh, ho, ho, Excellent!
0: By the way, if you're asset rich, you should make sure you have
1: a will. Oh, oh, I have two. One for lands and one for goods. My nephew Neville is my heir. Lucky Neville. He'll have to pay feudal taxes on my entire estate, regardless of how much they are.
0: Not so lucky, Neville.
1: My wife will be responsible for paying all my debts, so you'll have to check in with her if I've not paid it back by then.
0: Fine, sign here.
1: I've also told the University of Cambridge that I will be leaving them a sizeable amount in my will. That's nice. But I'm not. I just want to whiten them up. (laughs) Next time, it's Reginald Scott and the Magician. Is he going to disappear?
0: The Lost Tapes of History podcast is a Since 79 production. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to get more episodes. To fact-check what you've heard on this person, visit our website, losttapesofhistory.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Synth79P, and use the hashtag, Lost Tapes of